0: Are you a rebel seeking transformation in your recovery journey? Then 366 fucking days sober is the book for you. 366 daily meditations. This book by the Soberpod Recovery podcast host and professional rebel, Carl, will help guide you towards a new way of thinking and living. Each daily meditation offers a fresh perspective, practical advice, and a healthy dose of Carl's irreverent humor to help you stay sober and embrace the challenges of life without drinking, drugging, or shitting your pants. Whether you're just starting your recovery journey or looking for a daily dose of encouragement and laughs, 366 Fucking Days Sober is the book for you. So, if you're ready to transform your life and become the rebel you were meant to be, get your copy of 366 Fucking Days Sober. Today, Available today on Amazon.com.
1: Recovery Elevator.
2: I'm Carl. I'm a addict alcoholic and all of the above. In my sobriety days, August twenty second, twenty
1: fourteen. Yeah, Paul Churchill addict. Attica- yeah, Paul Churchill addict. Attica- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah I was gonna I was gonna make a little joke there yeah Paul Churchill addict alcoholic and more all the above <laughs> September 7th 2014 that's the alcohol-free date. alcohol free date alcohols what got me in the most trouble that's that's the uh that's what I'm tracking the most here nice and this is
3: soberpod. soberpod.com 366 fucking days sober yeah Sober Pod, keep it authentic, no If it's real, then you know it's ours Welcome
2: So Sober Pod is a podcast dedicated to the idea that One addict or alcoholic helping another Is crucial to building a life in recovery Join us this season as we read from our book Which we're not going to do today 366 fucking days sober And as always, stay active, stay sober And whose book we are going to talk about is Paul Churchill? If you guys uh, don't know Paul Churchill, Paul Churchill is uh, from Recovery Elevator, uh, dude. Do you want me to read your bio? Do you want me to read your author bio, dude? However, no, you <laughs> want to do it, Carl. <laughs> You know, I I think it's great. Um, you know, uh, how we all have these bio. I just had to do a bio today for this other talk that I'm going to do, and it just sounds like,
1: I don't know. It's like I'm like, who is that dude? <laughs> So, so everybody, if you some of them are just canned and scripted, exactly. If you don't Um, know who Paul, I really, I was, yeah, I was good at drinking. Let's just go with that. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. So, this is Paul Churchill. Paul Churchill started Recovery Elevator. Uh, You know, I don't when did you start it? uh, 2014, 2015?
1: Yeah, February 25th, 2015, episode one dropped, and I couldn't sleep for three months after that because I was like, what the fuck did I just do? So,
2: I mean, totally. Here's the thing I, you know, I did it after many years, and I just thought it was, uh, um, it was still scary like I don't, I don't care what you fucking say I mean it was still very scary so I don't I couldn't even imagine doing it at six months so so I, yeah I was like one of my one of my questions was to you it was like yeah creating a podcast at six months sober who the fuck do you think you are <laughs> like, you know, Six months.
1: I heard several years later from people that I respect in this space that they were all waiting for me to crash and burn yeah in front of a public audience and and the stats say I should have right it was a risky move to start anything like a, a new endeavor, but about sobriety. Um, I, I do think that anybody has an experience to share, regardless if they're on day one, day 100 or day 1000 or day 10,000. Anybody can share their experience with that alcohol to help the fellow struggling alcoholic or just to help somebody else. But to start a podcast like that, it was incredibly risky. But I think I was so clear on the goal, Carl. Like I, I, I just wanted to stay sober. And I wanted to shred the shame. I thought like the, the shame around alcoholism was just total bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like I remember hiding behind trees, going into AA meetings, but the bigger part of me was like, this is fucking stupid. Like, why do you feel this way when there are so many people who struggle with alcohol? New York times, I think it was New York times just had an article, 44 million Americans (laughs) struggle with alcohol, like have an actual alcohol use disorder. Uh, I, I mean, it's asinine. Yeah, an it's actual paradigm consumption paradigm alcohol- disorder, not just like affected by, right? Like it's like actual oh, f- consumption. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It would be like fit the alcohol use disorder, the alcoholic. I mean, really, it's it's the addict, it is alcohol. Yeah, you know, is you know dangerous drugs. It's so funny because I,
2: I came to a, a spot at one point, and I forget what it was, probably more recently too. Is I was thinking, like, I saw a stat that said something like, you know, um, like 50% of the world doesn't drink just doesn't act like they 50% of the world actually just doesn't consume alcohol period and that shocked me cuz i was like what how's that even possible yeah yeah so
1: yeah and it's a, it's a third of americans don't drink either but the way it's like we're brainwashed with av- advertisements and the movies everything is is built around that yeah yeah and carl a static the craziest stat i've come across while doing this is the tax burden per drink so let's just say Joe Schmo goes to old Chicago orders a pint and he could be a normal drinker or whatnot, but the tax burden per drink consumed in the United States of America is $2 and 77 cents per drink. Right. And like, we're all cool with that. Yeah. So it's cool. <laughs> you know, like, let's just, let's just keep doing it. And, and I think it's going to change in the future, Carl. Like it has to, I think alcohol will go kind of the way of tobacco. And exactly. As like, was just Whoa, just to say,
2: is, Yeah.
1: Yeah, this is actually quite destructive. Yeah. And we've been fed something that's like level ten bullshit. There is no amount of alcohol that's good for you. I think uh the Huberman lab did a great job of debunking that age-long myth. You know, just a glass of red wine a day. No, it it's 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 a quite toxic substance. Yeah,
2: no, and, and again, I think you stock talk, talk about this in some of your in, in your book a little bit, and maybe even more towards like the middle of the book, which is just it talks about like millennials are doing a much better job, right? Like they're the ones that are actually like taking on like a different attitude with you know with alcohol and drugs and they're like they're drinking less they're like not uh yeah you know, they're not binge drinking you know when when they do start drinking etc cetera, etc cetera. they're not viewing it as a healthy like lifestyle right like they're like they're opting for a different lifestyle because they see like you know all all the pathway that you know that we've all walked down i guess you know so but yeah they're they're see, definitely yeah, having well, a different yeah. attitude about it which is great to hear it it's wonderful i mean a little too late for us but <laughs> so, so I guess yeah,
1: it's way easier to like not go into the nose dive, and then instead of like pulling out of the nose dive, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So
2: I want to make sure I get into um to your story, so that you know we're not uh, so the uh, so that people aren't just like thinking you know that Paul Churchill, this fucking dude, is just this altruistic dude who just like came out of his mother's womb had a had a you know halo on his on his head, and he like started doing do gooders, you know. Uh, you know, around town. So uh, I guess what was your entry into uh, recovery? Like, what was it for you that, um, you know, kind of, you know, the light came on and said, I need to, to get I need to get my shit in order. Like, what was the call for you? Where was the call?
1: Gotcha, Carl. And I think this is called the gift of desperation. You know, that's one of those lame cliches we've yeah, heard. Hear, but it. I can tell you <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you right now and listeners, if you drink, if you're drinking problematically and there's a progression with this, if you keep going, I can simplify this. You're going to get two choices. You're going to get life or death. And I was so close on the precipice of death, right? I had a failed suicide, failed suicide attempt in there. I was so close. And after one of those big drunks, right, I could just see it so clarity. What is that? The window of, window of, does a joke, window of clarity, right? (laughs) Is that what they they say? And uh, I could just see it so close, Carl, that, hey, I got two choices. And I think that's also a part, uh, a point of an addiction, right? We label it as all bad or whatnot. But I think an addiction is what drove me just to see it so clearly. Look, if you go down this path. No worries, you know, no judgment. I think all paths lead to home, Carl, I do. Mm-hmm. But look, we, if we want to choose life and it's got to be a daily choice, an hour, hourly choice, a, a choice every minute, then, then this is where we got to go. But the actual details of it, I was DJing a wedding drunk three weeks after I got a DUI. Uh, three weeks after I'd spent the night inside a suicide jail proof uh, jail cell. Um, yeah, and I had three songs. This is the processional for a wedding. And I had a clipboard. And I had three songs highlighted and I had to cover one eye. And I remember looking back at the bride and groom lined up at the back, you know, the, the church looking down. and It was all blurry and there was only three songs. And I was just like, holy shit, please play the right fucking song. And I did <laughs> like three for three. Um, and so I, I did. I did the ceremony. I went at a cocktail hour and the person was walking around Carl with the tray full of wine. I had three glasses of wine. And I had took a fourth one off and I was looking at that fourth glass of wine and I just knew I was like, dude, like there's no way you're going to finish this wedding. There's no way you're going to pull out of this no nose dive if you don't do something different. So the universe had aligned that night, Carl, I used to own a DJ company. We had like seven events going on every Saturday night Had a DJ who just finished a nonprofit event. So he showed up, filled in for me at the wedding, called a friend, drove home, um, you know, had like an eruption of the car, I'm going to rehab or whatnot, just fully surrendered for what it is. The next morning, I remember hearing birds, Carl. I remember waking up and hearing birds for the first time in a long term. Um, and my parents called, they're like, hey, we, uh, are we still doing rehab? Is that still the plan? I said, give me give me a day. Give me a couple of days here and I'll get back to you. And I just hit, hit such a bottom and I fully surrendered of like, there's no way I can fight this. There's no way I can beat this. Um, and that wasn't my last drink. My last drink was four and a half, maybe five days later. I had half of a beer at a camping trip and I knew, just knew the bigger part of me knew if I stay and drink this beer, I'm a goner, mm-hmm. dump the beer out left. Um, so you just got really disgusted with you yourself know, at that point. What, what, how, did, what was the feeling? Oh, you know, I, you know, I think, I think self-loathing is a major part of, of any addiction. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm almost 10 years away from my last drink and I still struggle with that. Absolutely. And if I'm here to be authentic on your podcast, Carl, there's still a voice. Part of healthy, hey, welcome right? to the like fucking a club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Like part of it, I, I hold myself to a really high standard yeah, me too. and I've been successful in life. And it's like, Paul, get your fucking shit together, man. That's a healthy voice. I think it's more framed with, with tough love and in, in like a compassionate way. And I also have the voice like, Paul, man, I fucking love you, buddy. Like you just struggle so hard at times, my man, but I fucking love you. I love you so much. Right. So that self-love has never been at this high level, but also I think we're going against one of the most powerful algorithms in the universe, which is the unconscious, like mm-hmm. our conditioning through childhood. I think I hate myself partly because like my mom hates herself. Like we inherit this generational trauma, this mm-hmm. generational mm-hmm. energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how do you deal with that stuff? Dude,
2: I, um, uh, you know I went to uh great lengths to uh cover up you know my ego you talk about ego it's like you know i, I created this this false self that appears in front of me and appears to everybody else uh, except for when I'm you know in my man closet here talking to you you know <laughs> i think the thing is the minute I step out of here um you know and I'm in general public you know I have this wall i have this facade and it's all bullshit you know so um so yeah that getting into recovery again you talk about being authentic that's you know, it's hard, man. It's it's fucking hard to be your authentic, true self every day. So one of the things I got involved in, um, you know, adult children of alcoholics, you know, after I got in AA. Hey, did you, did you go to AA or what happened after that, by the way? So you're at the campsite, you toss the fuck a beer, then what happened? You just like went and said, screw it.
1: You're done? No, I did the Start podcast. I did the full like,
3: <laughs> yeah,
1: put the halo on, like you said, got a pony and did it. No, I did the 90, like actually like 110 and 90, got a sponsor, did the steps. AA is an incredible program, yeah. right? Um, I think at like year two or three, I went to two meetings. Uh, I've gone seven or eight months without going to a meeting, but I I go to one weekly now. Mm-hmm. But for that first three months, like I didn't care what if someone said, "Hey, eat some gummy worms that are moldy, you'll stay sober." Like, all right, yeah. feed them to me. It's just yeah. whatever. Like, buddy, I knew I had he, to do. We talk
2: about like toothless dude in the back. Like, I'll fucking listen to him. Like, I don't care, I don't care how bad he smells. <laughs> I don't care how many fucking teeth he has. I'm gonna fucking listen because I obviously I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, right? You know, he at least gets out of fucking bed and puts a shoe on in the morning and hasn't shit his pants or spilled any rum on the fucking couch. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, he doesn't have any fucking teeth and he smells bad, but you know what? He's, he's doing a lot better than I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: And that's a humbling part of an addiction, yeah. right? you get, you get to the point you're like, man, I don't fucking know shit. Mm-hmm. And you're open. That is when you're the most susceptible for a new pathway. And again, I think that's part of the point of an addiction to flex you, to press you with such incredible pain moments. You're like, whoa, And I actually think the point of addiction is depart from the ego. Like we have to depart from Mm -hmm. the ego with humanity, right? The world's on fire because of what's, because of the human brain. But I think people with an addiction, they can separate themselves just a little bit to come together, put our differences aside and focus on love. Like AA has made it past every election. And I'm talking like the last couple of ones that have been the most tumultuous, right? But like, we'll make it through next November, just fine. And, And other people can't do that carl like we often put ourselves in the back of the fucking queue like oh man the stigma we're broken people i flip it like we're a group of people that lead with love and can get together in a room 5 10 50 hundreds of people and and not shoot each other and focus on love put the differences aside and say look i choose love peace and wholeness over being right and for some reason the people we have elected are politicians like they can't fucking do that it's not even in their circuitry yeah like, no can't. some
2: people just don't have that general makeup because again they're all focused on the on the negative versus the positive positive. and again they see the story very differently which is again i think something you talked about in your book too which is uh you know to see uh you know addiction as a as a positive like i mean russell brand talks about it too He's like you know congratulations for discovering alcohol because this is the one fucking thing that allowed you to get this far because if it wasn't for alcohol I would have fucking blown my brains out a long fucking time ago. If it wasn't for drugs and alcohol, I would have fucking just went absolutely fucking nuts. So then you talk about it in your book and you say like addiction is basically like the the invitation to a much better life. It's the thing that's the catalyst that like, you know, kind of drives you to that. I do want to go back though. So, so when, when we have that, that vision or that, that mindset of like, I'm going to fucking do something different. You subject yourself to like, you know, AA and, and the toothless smelly people. Uh, (laughs) They're not all toothless and smelly, but let's just say, you know, that's the exaggeration. Um, So what is it from there that like, I really want to know, like uh, what is the prompt for you to, to start a podcast in six months? Because by the way, like me as six months sober, um like dude i i it took me six months this time around because again i was my ego was really deflated right i could know i could you know before in my past when i went to meetings too and that's something i want to ask you about too you had some sobriety before all this too right so but before in my past when i would go to meetings i uh i was i was just you know i'd talk i'd like i'd just say shit all the time like i had like I had something to say, you know what I mean? And like, but people were listening and I was talking and I thought that that was good, if anything. And this last time though, I walked in and I just shut the fuck up. I sat the fuck down and I was scared to open my mouth for at least six months, mm. you know? So I don't know how you did it. Honestly, that just seems like just a bold ass mother, like balls as big as church bells. I don't know how you got there from here. So tell me how you got there. Like what happened? You go into meetings, you're doing the doing the deal and all of a sudden you just like fuck it i'm gonna throw my money down and start a podcast in six months what led up to that
1: point all right carl so i've got an energy and i'm knowing myself more and more sobriety it's a bigger energy right and i've always just said fuck it i'll start my own for example where i live in montana i went to the city it was like hey i want to sign up as an individual and play flag football this happened two years in a row the league just didn't happen year three they're like hey we're trying to get the league together you know, sign up for this waiting list. We'll call you back. And I knew what's that saying? Like third times, I'm the idiot, whatnot. I was like, fuck it. I'm starting my own flag football league. Sure. Flag football, that flag football league that year turned into a kickball league, turned into a cornhole league, turned into a dodgeball league, turned into a floor hockey league, turned into a trivia league, turned into like a, a volleyball league, a sand volleyball <laughs> league. This killer business that I sold like four years ago and the guy is just crushing it. And in that, the buy sell agreement, I said, give me a coupon for every single league. And my wife and I play kickball every year. It's a blast. So with that, I remember it like four to five months of sobriety. I loved podcasts. I was listening to sober podcasts. And there was like four or five at the time. Um, Maybe I was focusing on the differences and not the similarities, yada, yada, I don't know. But I said, screw it. Like I'm just gonna start my own. I'd been a DJ before, as I mentioned, drunk DJ when I was DJing that wedding drunk, by the way, that guy did a great job at that wedding, (laughs) the bride and groom, they (laughs) never knew. And I'm I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that shame of like, I've I've ruined weddings sober. I didn't want to do it uh, (laughs) drunk. (laughs) But, uh, and and so I I just remember as like, you know what? I, I wanted, this is something that I want to do. I want to learn the technology. I want to learn how to podcast, but I remember Carl, like you said, so like Learning the technology about a podcast—that's like that's a bunch of hours in itself just to learn that. When I went to record my first episode, it was like Recovery Elevator episode one. Uh, 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 I had nothing to say. That was so hard to come out. Yeah, yeah. But with every lesson I learned, with every craving I overpassed, with every you know, I started doing the steps. Yada yada yada. I just learned more, and I I started sharing what I learned from other people and all the value bombs in the first hundred episodes that came from other people. Um, and I just, I, I just became a sponge and I asked questions like, Hey, have you ever found a way that you can moderately drink with my pencil near the paper? So I could actually write something down that would help me to moderately drink. And after asking a couple hundred people, Hey, is moderate, does moderate drinking work, like it's all the same. Everybody's story is exactly the same. Of course, we're individuals, but after a couple hundred, you know, we're, we're coming up on episode 500 in probably six months, seven months. It's all the same. Um, and, and like, I've just been, I've been, I've been working on my skills as a listener, as an interviewee. And I listen to all my episodes and sometimes I'm like, ah, man, we'd miss the mark. Didn't quite make the point. I do my intros and stuff. Uh, it's just been a really fun way to learn. But I, I think the way this has been successful is because the intentions at the beginning, Carl, were, 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 authentic. It was so I could be accountable. Like selfishly, I started yeah, the podcast yeah. also. Let me, let me throw that in. Obviously, like I wanted to stay sober and in my mind, an accountability with the layer of a podcast would help because I told myself before I started, look, if I drink, I one hundred percent will let the audience know. That was a fire against my back that I did not want to to you know touch right, and so it worked. And if it, it helped a couple people along the way, bonus. And sure enough, Carl, I'm sure you can tell with your, your, your 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 episodes you got you're getting feedback like people are saying, wow, this is. This is helping. Sometimes, you know, thank you for your. <laughs> you know, I've I've gotten them both ways. <laughs> you know, like, what are you fucking talking about? Um, and so I just kept going, man. And he just kept keep showing up, keep showing up to the rooms if that's your jam. Keep showing up to whatever, but you just keep doing it. And uh, I quit. Like I've 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 wanted to quit so many times. Not so much sobriety. Not so much like to go back out and drinking because again, that's still fresh. I know exactly. What's going down, Carl? I am a goner. I am a goner in a matter of months, not years. Probably even sooner than that, aka you know, what's up, suicide. Um, but like it's it's kind of a it's it's a tough space to be in. I feel it's a beautiful space to be in too. I think the people are incredibly loving and authentic. Um, but it's like it's hard. Mm-hmm. Western medicine has no answer for addiction. The world has no answer of how to cure addiction. I don't think politicians are gonna cure it. So it's hard for me to get behind the mic and be like, uh, here's how you quit drinking when it's like nobody knows. And it's 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 a challenge. Carl, it's, like, what's your experience with yeah, that? I
2: still. Yeah, still very much. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing sitting here, to be honest. Like, that's the thing.
1: <laughs> it's like, you
2: know, because I I struggled ever since I was a kid. You know, I, you know, I started, uh, you, know, um, you know, I was, I was smoking weed. I was, I was smoking cigarettes before I was eight years old. I was smoking weed at eight. I did meth at twelve you know and i don't even you know alcohol i don't even like put on a a a, a spec you know, in in the stats there because it was always there right so you know what i mean it's like so and here's the thing is you know I, I was fifteen years old when I was sent to my first drug treatment i've been in the rooms in and out of the rooms since I was fifteen you know um you know when I got married i uh, i thought i I thought I neatly evaded like the 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 label of alcoholic right because like you know and my wife is propping me up you know and again it's it's the it's the family thing that we don't talk about necessarily it's like why you know why does daddy wake up every morning with his balls hanging out and spilled rum on the floor like why is that right nobody that's just normal (laughs) so you know and so you know why i'm sitting here i have no idea sometimes like i i know i reached a point where it was like sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. Like you, it's like, you know, I cried out, I prayed. I'm like, I'm done. Like, dude, like I give up, like, you know what I mean? Um, and, but from that day on, I don't, you know, all the circumstances that laid in, I still had alcohol in the house up to 60 days. Right. I didn't, you know, I, I up to 30 days. Sorry. I you know, I poured it out at 30 days. I didn't go to meetings until sixty days in, right? Because I was like, I'd been there and done that before, so I wasn't gonna do that bullshit again. I thought that I knew what they were doing there. Apparently I didn't. (laughs) So, you know, I just thought everybody just again sits around and bitches about drinking, you know, like that, you know, or about not being able to. That's what I my whole perspective of shit was, you know. And again, just like you said, we all like approach this all very differently. Your book is a really good example of like how I think, you know, you're trying to accommodate all all the influxes like all the touch points of people how they come in and how they stay in recovery right it, it everybody's like experience is all very unique and different right so it's just so many different paths you know for every individual there is a unique path you're right so it's, it's what it takes for that person in order to balance out but you again the commonalities of what you know, you talk about, which is, are absolutely true. There's no other way around that, right? When you read the book, you really understand, like we all have these very basic commonalities. And when I talked about uh, myself going into AA, and then, um, you know, where I really took off was when I started going to ACA, right? Adult Children of Alcoholics, right? Because, you know, I, I was like, I really got to the causes and conditions of, you know, what was really ailing Carl, right? Which is, again, you talk about it primarily, you know, we talk about shame, we talk about loneliness, we talk about, I mean, real personal, like, shit, you know, upbringing, abuse, neglect, all those things that go on in a a dysfunctional home, right? And then when you're raised with, with that set of circumstances, and also given the environment that you're in, it's like, you know... I I no longer debated nature versus nurture. Was it inherited or was it, you know, whatever? It's like, dude, I know from personal experience, like, you know, that I couldn't tell you, right, whether it was, you know, one or the other. But what I do know is what I have it. So I kind of resigned from the debating society until I get more money for research. Uh, It's really not my job, right? My job is to try and be like you know, to deal with this right here, right now, and to be the best that I can with every, you know, every day I pop my head out of bed. Like, what do I do to maintain this? Knowing the truth about myself, you know, what do I do moving forward? So talk about that a little bit. When I think one of the things that I really enjoyed is that you do like delve into the why to, you know, about, you know, we are who we are. Right. And not just about like the disease model, but you taught more about like, you know, um, Again, the stuff that adult children of alcoholics talks about, which is, again, it's that upbringing. It's that that essence of that. Tell me your experience with that.
1: Yeah, I think the why behind the addiction is super fascinating. And it's it's fun to be introspective. It's good to have self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've got a pretty good idea of why. But even if a psychologist were to print it out and be like, hey, buddy, here's why you are you, you read it, like, hooray, you know, but you're still – you're still here Mm -hmm. like okay uh, fucking now what you still have to deal with it right (laughs) so at the end of the day if you know einstein's godson shows up or whatnot it's like hey this is what it is it's not gonna change shit it's Mm -hmm. like oh i still got it okay (laughs) but i but it's got a place right like if there's there's no awareness you, you have to have that um you know but i also think I don't think it's a disease, and I've gone back and forth with this. In 1958, the American Medical American Medical Association classified adi- uh, alcoholism addiction as disease. I I don't think it that that's what it is at this moment. I think it's disconnection. We are so disconnected uh, as a society. I've I've read a line. This was in Dr. Gabriele Mate's book that most anthropologists agree that addiction is a modern phenomenon. Like what the crap does that mean? Yeah, no. That addiction, mm-hmm. the way we know it, and it's going up. It's going up in all sectors except millennials, except the people entering into adulthood, which is phenomenal to hear. But addiction and really like our vice, I think we're talking alcohol here, at least in my community, in my space. But like everybody has seemingly got something now. And and the Buddha talked about the river crossing of consciousness where everybody has to really transcend the ego, which is like stems from the addict or like the heart of the addiction. But, you know, for it's us, it's alcohol. But I think you've got sugar. You've got, you know, they got drugs and stuff, but I think screens is going to be the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Like technology might be the addiction that really like cracks humanity. And I think we are, we are perhaps the cohort that can teach humanity as we've already gotten around the fire. Hey guys, how do we do this? Thanks Bill in 1935. Like Mm -hmm. he said it off, he set us off on a great trajectory and we might be the early ones to set the footprint in consciousness of humanity of like, yo, this is how we depart from it. But I do think how it starts is disconnection. A lot of it starts in early childhood. But you can talk, you can look at groups of people. I think a myth is that Native Americans have a predisp- predisposition to alcoholism. Which is not true. Most Native American tribes used alcohol in religious ceremonies. Anasazis have been using yeah. it for thousands of years. They were exposed years, to it well all
2: before we got here, that's for sure. You know.
1: Well before the Spaniards brought yeah. the fire water over, yeah, yeah. right? What but cool. what happens when 95%, 90 to 95% of your population is eradicated, A, with smallpox or measles? And then the other living people of your tribe are murdered by, you know, uh, white settlers, yeah, a little trauma. You're going to need some, <laughs> yeah, you're going to need something to soften the pain yeah, yeah. <laughs> trauma. Oh, yeah, that yeah. is the word with a big fucking T for sure. Yeah. So I think these days we are more traumatized than ever just with the, the culture like capitalism. And I'm a fan of capitalism. It's been very kind to me, but this also is like this dog eat dog world. Also the, the percentage of alcohol, has skyrocketed in the last couple hundred years. Like uh, beers used to be 3-2. Like a couple hundred years ago, used to be done in more communal settings. Uh, high proof, like 80 proof, couldn't even happen. The, the technology for distillation, for distilling, uh, you couldn't find a whiskey. That was 40% alcohol. Wines were like 7%. So that's part of it too, just how we drank. Um, yeah, and there's also like this massive industry built around it, which, you know, the government's yeah. all about it too. And that sucks. Like that's a tough one to live in this world. When it it destroys so many people's lives and families.
2: Yeah, I think I think you're, um, you know, I, I think you're painting the, the the correct picture to say like we are the we are going to be the uh, the model that we have had to live by. Basically, we'll help others as they. You know, as they deal with these other process addictions that do come up, and again, as they as they're not, you know, again, they're not drinking, they're not, you know, doing whatever, right? You know, weed is legal, et cetera. We move towards legalization, et cetera. They're, the other things, right? The big business, the money, the screens, the social, the media, you know, all that stuff like that. So I, you know, I, I we definitely try to address that even in our, you know, local recovery, right? Like we definitely, I know, I don't know about you, but I know I applied the same principles around. You know, my screen time and around my experiences with all that stuff, the same that I would with alcohol, with the same that I would with cocaine, you know, whatever it is, I try to take that same treatment of whatever that new thing is, because, again, we're playing addiction whack-a-mole most of the time when we do get sober, right? So so that, you know, I, I definitely try to apply the same principles, and I guess, yeah, you know, but here's the thing, and also, even the 12 steps, it's like, they... Or you know, uh, Bill Wilson, Alcoholics Anonymous, the whole nine yards. It's like none of that stuff. I mean, here's all that stuff was has been around. For thousands and thousands of years before fucking AA, all that stuff is basically you know and and religious and non-religious alike right like all that stuff you know from from just philosophy in general like that stuff has been there the way that in which we're supposed to you look at these principles and how we're supposed to behave what is vice or virtue etc that stuff has been around for thousands of years right so it's it's so funny though that like we get to a point where like we're instantly connected with one another. We have all these other things that are disposal. but the but the things that we don't do are the things that have been working for others for thousands of years, which just seems so funny to me. So you know, I mean, again, we you know, the printing press is invented, and, and you know, and what do we do with it? You know, I'm sure that I'm sure porn was immediately available before the you know, <laughs> before the Bible. <laughs> so
1: so either the way, profession ever, yeah. yeah.
2: So um. So I don't know, you know where we're going with that, but what I do know is that, um, you know, we have an opportunity today to, to educate each other in our, you know, little, little circle so that we can better help others as we, as it grows out from here or needs to grow out from here. So, um, so to change, change like, um, topics. So you did recovery elevator, right? You, you've you worked it into a nice community, which again, you, you're addressing even some of the problems that you, uh. That you know you I have identified right like you know you need connection so again uh, you, you know you your community that you start to create around that stuff which is stuff we tried to do a SilverPod as well we've tried to like create community and connection and you know all Facebook groups etc so you did all that stuff as well I, honestly I don't even know if I was paying attention because like we probably we were just mimicking a lot of this similar stuff so um, again out of necessity right like out of the things that we desire so um, so then what. What is the catalyst for you to write the book? Like what is the thing that says, like, you know what? Like this is all great and fine and dandy, you got community, got podcast, da da da. What is the catalyst that says, all right, now I need to write a book?
1: Okay. This is an easy answer. But after you know, a couple hundred interviews, a couple hundred notes, a couple hundred podcast intros, yeah, there was an idea to like compile that and restructure that content and put it into a book. But I went to a social media podcasting conference in, in Idaho, uh, you know, three or, three or four or five years ago. And there was a conference on uh, writing a book, like a workshop on writing a book. And the speaker was quite electric, an excellent salesman about his self publishing school or whatnot. And if you sign up now, it's, it's only X amount of dollars. And I walked right up, gave him my credit card, and you had a year to use their services. And, you know, I, I, on the ride home was like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to write a book. I didn't <laughs> Just, even think about the book for like seven months. Yeah. And then I remember I was like, Oh, but shit!" did you have the
2: idea for the book as you were putting your car down? Is that the idea? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I
1: actually had the title oh, I, wow. I had, wow. I was watching this YouTube video when I was visiting one of our community members in Guam. Like this is the cool part about recovery. Like every, that's the glue. There's like quite a, there's quite a camaraderie you have between people who are sober so, I visited this guy in Guam on my way to uh, volunteer at a rehab center in Thailand. We we're watching a YouTube video of this guy repairing his bike. He's talking about alcohol. He's not an alcoholic, but he's just talking about alcohol with his Aussie accent. He's like, you know, man, alcohol is just shit. It's pure <laughs> shit. <laughs> and, and it just stuck with me. I'm like, alcohol is shit, man. If I ever write a book, that's the title. So, the title was there like a couple of years before the book showed up. But I remember you know, if I had to put that money down, I don't think I would have written the book because it's a huge effing project. As you know, it's like yeah. 70,000 words yeah. editing, yeah. uh, all, all kinds of stuff. But I'm really glad I did. It, it was a great prod project uh, process and like I accomplished it. I felt good after it. There was a couple times, Carl, if you're a Mac user, command a highlight all there was twice during that process. I had highlighted like all 50,000 words in my hand. My finger was just like an inch above the delete delete key. You know, fear, (laughs) fear, anxiety. Like, not really. Like, who's gonna read this? Like, I I believe in myself, and I believe I believe in all of the teachings in our courses and Recovery Elevator. Every episode that I hear or every episode I record, I believe in those teachings. Right. So it wasn't like really imposter syndrome. It was more like, fuck, this sucks to write a book. I was getting in my office at like five thirty in the morning before, you know, right for three hours before I I had other businesses at the time before the other employees would show up. It was a bitch. It was, it was a lot, Mm -hmm. but when it came out, I I was so happy with it. It's really cool to sign a book, you know, and I, you had a book 366 days to to fucking sober whatnot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, you went through it.
2: Yeah, yeah, you you just signing a book is the most awkward fucking thing I've ever done. It, talk about like having <laughs> imposter syndrome, right? Like the very first book that you sign, don't you feel like, what the fuck am I doing? Like this is stupid. <laughs> like you know what I mean? I just there's something about like it doesn't connect, right? Like, but yeah, it is a unique experience, a unique feeling in order to do that stuff. Yeah, and I wrote seventy thousand words too, right? Like it's exactly, it's funny, it's it's almost exactly the same. So that's what I say you got silver September, I got silver in August of the same year, right? We, no way! Yeah, we we both started a, a podcast, right? We both written a book. Yeah, yeah. It's like I yeah, just kind of I was just doing like all, all the similarities as I was yeah. reading
1: your book. Too, Do you like too. uh? You like pizza? <laughs> Do
2: you like long walks on too, the beach? <laughs> I, I yeah, for sure. <laughs> hey, you want you uh, want to go out?
1: <laughs> I, I'm free this afternoon, Carl.
2: <laughs> You're an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic. you know what I mean. Okay, so so um so then once you've written the book, like what was the like um like it, it, at that point, you know, you put it out into the world like, um, yeah, I guess here's the thing. Why did you write the book is the other thing. So, like, you know, you knew you needed to write one, right? For whatever reason, you felt called to do it. Uh, but, but as you got into it, like the why had to come out of it. Because I know for me, the why also came out like after the fact. Like, I, you know, the minute I click publish, you know, uh, there was a, a point where the thing that I wanted to get fixed wasn't. Right, you know, and I was just like, "Oh, like that sucks," <laughs> you know, because I expected something to happen. What well, do you I What do you mean by that? Keep Keep um, going. What do you mean? Well, so I wrote it in order to deal with a lot of grief, right? So there was oh, okay, and then so and again, and I and th- I didn't understand that that's what I was doing until I was done, right? So initially, like, I was like, "Okay, I need to do this, uh, you know, to be of service, right? To get these these thoughts out on paper so that other people." don't struggle with them as well. Right. And, and now, and that was the time to do it apparently. Right. And then, but after I did it, I realized like, Oh, like I had a lot of, I went through a lot of grief actually when I was doing it. So what about you? Like what was the why behind it for you? Did you discover the why?
1: Yeah. All right, Carl. I think why I've had success. all right, Carl, I think why I've had success with recovery elevator in the book, Sober travel, the communities, is because the motivation behind it, behind it is authentic. It's to help people. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, of course, like we have, we have bills to pay. And you mentioned earlier, Recovery Elevator is now my full-time gig. I'm so very blessed. When I started RE, that was not the case. I had three other businesses. My first two or three years with RE, I didn't make a dime. There was no sponsorships. It was almost like a simpler time. Yeah. Um, so I think that's why I, I've been successful. And that's why I wrote the book. Like we're we're dropping f bombs, we're talking about pizza and fun stuff like that. But this is such a serious topic at the same time. Where alcohol kills more people each year than every other drug combined. Mm-hmm. But like no one's really talking about well, it. They don't want to. There's a whole other. It, yeah,
2: there's, there's repercussions that, for the for doing that. Yeah, they're they're not prepared. Yeah. Yet. yeah, yeah
1: And so like I I hit this moment and I've also done a TEDx talk that almost like 700,000 views called I was duped by alcohol. Look, I'm not a victim. It's all on my shoulder. I drank all of it, but I crashed and burned so hard and so early And like, I just was the conditioning that once you're 21, green light to start drinking and it's fine. It's actually good for you. And bullshit. I didn't wait till I was 21. Of course not. I went to a four year public institution in America. Let's get our party on Mm -hmm. in high school too. Right. But you know, the dare officer, it was like, stay away from crack, cocaine, all that stuff. But alcohol is like this free pass. And and it's flipped. It's alcohol is like the most dangerous drug on the planet. That's that's not an opinion. That's data. There's been so many studies done there. And so the why behind this, like I hit this moment right when I had the same idea for the podcast. It's like three or four months after my sobriety date in September of 2014, hiding behind a tree, going into an AA meeting, just going like, this is fucking bullshit. So many people struggle with this. Yet we're put in this tiny corner. We are like ostracized and stigmatized. Uh, You know, and you know, the words you say, alcoholic, like what words come to mind? I was like, this is total bullshit. So part of the podcast was to help just to help with the stigma, help eradicate the shame, give other people power to do what they can do. Um, And like I said, with my energy, I've known this since I was a kid, I've got a big energy and, and sometimes I just start things and, there's a club I started in college that's still going on today. It's just like it's just who I am. So when I wrote that book, that's what it was. I didn't even really care about money, um, but it's it's done well. I think it's sold like sixty or seventy thousand copies, wow, and crazy. you know, for self publishing, like there's some other bigger books in this space, but they're you know they've got like publishing and advert advertising teams behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm quite proud oh, of, yeah, of what that that's is. Great.
2: Great number. That's a great number. you know, yeah. I, and I think seeing I th- my, my piddly sales. I, <laughs> I kind of go like, wow, that's great. You know what I mean? So, yeah, and
1: it like still, it, I still check it randomly. I'm like, Whoa, this thing is still going. Um, and I started writing my second book, Carl. Uh, and this it might take a couple of years. It's the same process, right? It's long. And basically it'll probably be anchored in the sobriety space but of like, guys, what are we doing? Kind of a wake-up call to humanity and the focal behind that, the why behind that is I want to help humanity and say, guys, we are massively missing the mark here, right? We have split the atom, not for technological advancement, but to kill other people. And so I feel like we are missing the mark here. There's all this talk about climate change, right? But like nothing's changing in terms of you walk out of Costco with so much fucking plastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're just hearing all this stuff about, but like nothing's changing. So the older I get and Carl, maybe you'll experience this too. In my thirties or in my twenties and thirties, it was like, oh, there's somebody very smart in government running the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> in where, my, you're right where I'm at right now is like, <laughs> no way. Like that's not even close. Like we're no salvation is coming from the people who should be protecting us. So the second book, the motivation behind that is, is to help and compile teachings from many many wonderful teachers um, and what i think of what's going on and what's going to happen because there's there's some trends that if you keep following them that you know, addiction is one if that just keeps going in 15 20 30 years you don't have a functioning society mm-hmm. you know if mm-hmm. 60% of your of your of your society is addicted and not be able to function and there's there's like 10 other barometers of that even like the price of college if that just keeps going up and up and up you can't have a functioning society with education Healthcare costs going up you can't function in society so part of the book is like guys hey 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 like let's come together we got to figure this out but i don't think they're going to come together
2: (laughs) yeah i think um yeah, yeah, one brick at a time, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like a, <laughs> one day at a time kind of stuff for that. Because again, that, uh, those 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 things are much larger, right? It, it takes a lot. Like you said, it, it take a it takes a couple years to kind of assemble, you know, those larger thoughts and put them all together. And I guess that's the part that sucks. You know, is that, you know, we don't have time. <laughs> yeah, you know, for all that stuff, for sure. So, um, uh, okay, I want to make sure that I, I do touch on, you know, your um. Not only you know the, the the book and everything else that you've done, uh, the community, uh, but upcoming again, like you know, where would you um, where would you suggest that I start uh, uh, <laughs> on my activities? Uh, learning the u- ukulele or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so this was like this was the one thing that I was like of all fucking things, like. Uh and and I is it too late to join this thing? So you do these events, you've done events, you do these meetups, you do all this other stuff around recovery, which I uh, agree. Because honestly, that was one of my goals for SoberPod uh is to actually be more uh physical, right? To be be out there in the public. it was before uh you know COVID, right? You know, and you know, COVID came around and like that kind of blew that uh that thought out of the water during that time. Um but I really love the idea that you're pulling together like again. people physically into physical spaces you know having these meetups these events and you're again it's it's a different way in order to to operate in from a you know a virtual standpoint to have those events happen but then the other things that you're doing like the uh, have you done anything other than like ukulele stuff have you done any other uh groups like that Uh, talk about those
1: okay so the motivation behind this is I've always been an entrepreneur. I had when I was a kid going to elementary school, backpack full of Snickers, Pop, things like that. Sure. I didn't like the the motivation wasn't to make money, right? Most entre- entrepreneurs will tell you that. They like to solve problems, they like to figure out. It's like a it's like a puzzle, mm-hmm. right? And that's why I became good as an entrepreneur. And so when I came into the sobriety space, I saw this massive problem and I said, "You know what? Like, I'm going to I'm going to give a go at it. I'm going to give a crack at it. Um, And the goal is to cure addiction. I'm going to shoot for the stars. It might land on the moon, might not even leave the atmosphere. But right now, what Western medicine, like the brightest minds, have thrown at addiction, 30-day treatment centers, 30, 60, 90, that's like low double-digit success rates. Mm -hmm. The best studies on AA are like high single digits. Mm -hmm. Like it's nothing. nothing's working. Very effective. So what I want to do with RE is almost – Alcohol is the glue, but take us a little bit out of the church basement. And I love church basements and stale coffee and shitty donuts. I love that stuff. (laughs) But like, go learn the ukulele. Like we're non-drinkers, but we're going to learn the ukulele. We've done a photography course. We're non-drinkers, but let's learn a skill that's going to fill the void of alcohol. We're non-drinkers, but let's go learn about the Incas and actually travel to Machu Picchu, do the Inca Trail. Right. And one of the highlight moments was we we do a yearly retreat in Bozeman, Montana. I was up there with 12 other ukulele players on the stage, 75 people in attendance. It's like, fuck yeah, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Like this is starting the vision that I have, and I'm a visionary, right? That's that's another classic trait of an entrepreneur. I'm I'm a visionary. Um, and I can see things and it's it's starting to come come to come come to fruition. And I think what's gonna happen in the sobriety space, Carl, is We're going to almost leave the church basement, like I said. Um, I still go to AA. I'm not dogging AA. It's a great program. But like, we're almost going to leave that area and and come on out to like interests. I think the Phoenix has done a good job of it. It's like sober, but it's more fitness oriented. Mm -hmm. Like I said, we're going to come out around the ukulele uh, and, and other aspects like that. We're doing sober travel. We do a service, a yearly service project where it's not so much focused on like alcohol, but that's the glue. And sure, we do breakout rooms, like people can chat and connect and talk, talk about alcohol, but it's more about taking that energy instead of going into the alcohol, into the addiction. It's like, that's the glue and let's go out. And how can we help? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I think that aligns with, uh, you know, this, the, again, it's that positive attitude about, you know, uh, you are bringing that to your recovery right rather than having addiction and alcoholism be this dark you know fucking brooding thing you know that's where stuff like this really does the opposite which is it comes now i'm gonna yes that happened but now what do i do about it and to me that it really defines a lot of you know, I guess our philosophy in terms of silver pot, like I say at the end of every episode, is like stay active, stay sober, and I mean that, right? Like I mean, like stay active because that's the only thing and the only way to do that is to. Get out of your comfort zone. Get a little fucking vulnerable. Try shit that you haven't tried. Yeah, you might not be successful at it, but you know what? You got the experience of doing it, and that's really what this is all about. After all, is like we're here to have this fucking human experience. So fucking relish in it, right? Have some fucking fun with it, you know. And and whether you know whether you're successful or not does not fucking matter. The fact is that you did, right? And again, it's and so and that's the idea behind the stuff that you know the philosophy that I move forward with. You know, so the same kind of philosophy you have or had, which is starting all this stuff. I did the same thing with Silverpod, which was to say, like, I just said, "Fuck it, I'm going to click submit." Like, "Fuck it," like I just, like I'm sure that first episode you click, you're like, "Ah, fuck it," right? You know, there's just a point where you go, like, "This is who I am." You know, come hell or high water, whether I'm fucking liked, loved, accepted, welcomed, etc., booed, jeered, sneered, whatever, I just had to fuck it. I had to express. Like the things that were going on inside of me, it's just, it's just, mm. I felt almost compelled to do that as I'm sure you did too. So that's why I really ask about that stuff because I'm like, uh, you know, I want to hear it. Did you also feel compelled to do it? Right. And uh, and I, th- I think the answer is yes. Yeah.
1: So, so Carl, like to express, you felt compelled to express, this is part of your healing process. Mm-hmm. This is part of getting it out. Part of writing for me, I guess could be as an author, that's part of my healing process is to get it out. Mm-hmm. Take it from here, put it out pen to paper or in the podcast MP3 format. And I think what's neat about this as we heal, as this energy moves out and vibrates in other people's ears, it helps them as well. I'm sure at the quantum level, something beautiful is going on apart, you know, what we just see, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's healing. You felt compelled to express, to heal and that helps other people as well.
2: Talking about that, which is like the end of your book. I mean, I don't want to give away the, the ending because they're really.
1: <laughs> Alcohol is shit. If I can summarize it all for you right there. Yeah, so... You don't know, need to read it. Alcohol is shit.
2: So uh, you talk about trusting, right? And you talk about trust as, as a more of a more of a concept and more of a, a philosophy. Can you talk about like what you mean more by that?
1: I think the next stage of human evolution is for us to transcend the ego and like, what does that even mean? Transcend the ego, but to come into ourselves and, and, and I was a full atheist before I began this, this journey, mm-hmm. I could barely spell spirituality and religion is something totally different. Those are two different things, but Swiss psychiatrist, uh, Carl Jung, he does a lot of work on, on breadcrumbs and synchronicities and calls them the breadcrumbs of life is where There are chance encounters compounded by, you know, the mathematics can't explain it, where things just happen in a way. Is it really a coincidence? Is the
2: question, right? Yeah, 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 that's
1: it. And where I'm at now, there are there's no coincidences. That's where I'm at. And before I quit drinking, everything was a coincidence. And I had those before before I quit drinking, like once every couple of years. It'd be like, whoa, you don't fucking say. But now, (laughs) Carl, it's like every day. And sometimes multiple times a day. And it's so beautiful where it's, where it's a moment with a brewer's blackbird or like a frog. You know, it doesn't have to be human to human. You see like, oh, okay. All right. Me and my energy and that tree's energy was mixing. And now here comes this. Uh, oh, okay. I get it. It's just this beautiful thing and it's a feeling of connection and I'm going to lie to you. I'm not, I'd be lying if I said I felt it 24 seven, right? Like just, just thick cable, my heart connected to God. Like that's not, that's not it. But in this repose or without alcohol, my body can enter a state of repose. The nervous system can go down to a level where I can connect with something so beautiful that's outside myself. But it's, it's the veil of separation is, Is becoming thinner and thinner. I think Mm -hmm. that's the big one. With alcohol, everything was separate. And also, again, I'd be lying if I said any different. My ego sometimes separates. A lot of times, separates me from other people. That's how I define
2: my ism, which is I separate myself, right? Yeah. So I I like that.
1: I separate myself, right? Um, But that veil is is lifting, and I fight it. I fight it. Like I want to be little. I want to be separate, and that's the mechanisms of the ego. But there's so, and it's neat with science now and spirituality emerging Einstein, pretty much all quantum physicists become mystics because they're like, there has to be a God. It's just incredible. That's where they end up, of, right? That's just, that's after, where they all end up. After
2: all their work, this is like, that's their results. And you kind of go like, oh shit. know? Yeah, Cause somebody asked Einstein at one point, like, do you believe in God? And he basically said, well, mathematically God would exist. <laughs> right? you know? yep. Yeah. It's just kind of crazy stuff to think about. Yeah
1: yeah how about how about you carl where are you got with that side? uh
2: you know i i'm exactly like you you know, i came in atheist right i came in uh but again uh, you know, i think that they say you know as they say there's no atheists in foxholes right you know uh you know that's kind of um you know what happened to me right like i knew i was in deep shit and uh and that's when uh it's funny like on that last day uh it was thursday night because I don't know who quits on a Thursday. Nobody quits drinking on a Thursday night if you're not alcoholic. You know what I'm saying? Like it's Thursday. Nope. <laughs> Thursday. Like you know, Friday's coming. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, uh, I've I prayed. I prayed hard, and I never prayed like that. I, when I prayed in the I prayed in this silent cry. You know, my family. You know, there were six of us, right? And then, you know, I got my got my wife. You know, two dollars, three dollars. You know, stepson over here, and uh, and I'm crying that cry that basically says. You know, God, like I, I can't do this anymore. Please, please help me. You know, and uh, and then I had a couple more drinks. I posted some shit on Reddit, <laughs> and then I went, and then I went back to bed. You know, um, and I went to bed anyway and passed out. Whatever. I woke up in the morning and there was people responding to a post that I had made. I half remember posting, talking about my drinking and talking about my history. And a couple posts on there were really nice, right? Which, again, people like you and me, right? Just cruising the, the forum. And one of them posted, like, you know, because I talked about doing damage as a father. And then one of them said, you're probably doing more damage than you think, right? And then the other one uh, was a woman, and she said, um, uh, you know, basically she had experienced the same thing, but she she said, um, you know, we all deserve to be happy, right? Like, you deserve to be happy. And that never crossed my mind, right? Like, because I never understood. So when I got into the rooms this time, I really, you know, I did the thing, you know, I struggled. I, 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 I had the God problem, you know, I, I, people, I shared in meetings all the time. I'm sure people were sick of it, you know, cause I just, I couldn't separate the a deity, right. I didn't have any other way to come in, you know? Um, But, but like you, you know, I found a way to have that work in my life and have that be meaningful and have that, I mean, literally th- th- this morning you were talking about another creature being connected, me and my wife have been noticing more lately uh, that uh, since uh, uh, some significant people have died in our lives, that hummingbirds were coming around, right? And I guess that's a spiritual thing, right? I had no idea. I had no idea. Honestly, I had no idea. I had, a, uh, I had a hummingbird keep coming to my window, and I was like, there's nothing there. There's no fucking flowers, right? But the hummingbird is like sitting there at my window. So I'm like, oh, this hummingbird keeps coming while I'm working. I'll just buy a hummingbird feeder, So because it makes because it seems like the hummingbird wants something from me. Right. And then literally I tell my I buy a hummingbird feeder. My wife says, why the fuck did you buy a hummingbird feeder? Don't you know that I have this like connection with hummingbirds and her mother and all this stuff? And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, so then this morning, literally she texts me a picture. She's a teacher. Uh, There's a hummingbird in her classroom like inside the classroom basically just hovering there while she takes pictures. Right. And it's like, and wow. she's like, you know, she goes, this just happened, you know? And, uh, and so it's kind of crazy. Like I, I view like what you say, like, you know, I see that stuff today is not a coincidence. It's, it's definitely something that there's like, there's power, you know, out there. Right. Um, and like it, and yeah, one of my things I always ask people is like, you know, did you get sober with a higher power or did you hire a therapist, right? And um, and the fact is, is like, I know that I need both, right? I know that like, and it's because it's all the same, right? You know, to me, it's like me talking to you, um, you know, you, uh, you know, Mister Rogers, Mister Rogers neighborhood, yeah, you know, he talked about the difference that the space between the television screen and the child was literally sacred ground, like that was hollow ground, for mm. like so that's the space that he knew he operated in, you know, that's six feet from the television. Um, And so, and I think the same thing with you and me right now, like this space that we operate within is then again, it's very spiritual thing. It's about connection. That's where I get a lot of my, my spirituality quote unquote today. So, and I, and I, and I read and hear the same from you a little bit too. So I I definitely understand what I'm saying. Same, same ballpark. (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I love how you brought Mr. Rogers into this too. What an incredible story. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Right. Yeah. Talk about and, so. So yeah.
2: part of the reason why he, he, he was the way he was is because he experienced some trauma when he was younger. And that's why he felt like he needed to, to bring more, you know, love to the world. You know, that was his, that was the goal. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And so I think it's channeling that energy and we're doing the exact same thing. How do we channel that discomfort that chronic discomfort into something positive. Mm-hmm. Um I've done it with the podcast. I am coming to myself more as an artist. I think you said it earlier or before you hit recording mm-hmm. that's what you are. Um I released my first musical album in almost 20 years oh, on Spotify awesome. last year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um I'm playing well ukulele. I freaking love that instrument. I'm playing drums hey, more. By the I'm way, on learning, the podcast learning,
2: learning. there is music for your podcast. Did you play that music or is that not you?
1: Yeah, no, I wrote all of it okay, the last cool. couple of years, but I do the intro, ukulele, recorded that, yeah. and then the outro is oh, cool. also on the
2: cool, that, album. Yeah. That's awesome. I had a guy actually just, uh, a rapper just do ours, which is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just said it. Cool. Because so, I am an artist, right? So, uh, you know, I do all these other things. I mean, music's not my, my forte. So I was like, you know what, though? I really hate it when a, a client will hire me and then they, like, they ruin it. You know what I mean? Like they, like they tell me, oh, you know, I want a piece or this or a brochure. It doesn't matter. But then, you know, I do my best work on it. And then they just, they get up and just, you know, piss all over it. Like they slap their dick on the keyboard and they just change it all. And then, um, so I said, dude, I said, here's the money. I'm going to take whatever you give me. So just give me your best. Right. And I just love that. And it came out really great. I really love it. So hell yeah, yeah, it's it's good stuff. So yeah, you just, I didn't edit shit. I just, I just dropped it in. That's all that I did with it. So, um, yeah. so I guess talking about, I don't know, other stuff, um, what, uh, we, you know, we talked about a lot actually, which is great. Uh, so, uh, what books have influenced you the, like the most in terms of, so we, you know, we talk about books, but what books like, uh, like yours, I guess, right? Like the, did you pick up, you know, in, you know, maybe they were more inspirational or maybe they were just more influential in terms of like, you know, um, you know, I guess giving back, like. Any, did you ever pick up any book that was like, oh yeah, this is like this is something really inspirational or influential?
1: Yeah, okay. So uh, January 1st, 2010. Other than Alcoholics uh, Anonymous,
2: that... just FYI. Other than uh, the hey, big <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah. Jan 1, 2010, went to a Barnes & Noble, you know, crushing, crushing hangover. Uh, I pulled a book by, called Beyond the Influence by Catherine Ketchum, right? Huh. I was ready, science, science, yada, yada, yada. It was a great book. And then probably year five, I came across a New Earth by Eckhart Tolle okay, and yeah. it, the Power of Now. Yeah. Um, you know, pretty mainstream spirituality books, and for some reason, I just I lap that one every year, almost twice a year. This is a New Earth. I've read a New Earth in Spanish. I've probably done it fifteen times between between reading and learning it, and reading it and hearing it, in Audible. Mm-hmm. But every time you do anything, you're you're at a different stage in your life. So there's still lines that I hear in that book. I'm like, whoa, I missed that incredible or I I have a different view stance to it. Um, and, and it's spirituality. It's about the ego and life direction. And yeah, those are, those are the two, two books in the last decade that have, that have really got me good. Yeah.
2: All right. Party people. So if you're going to go in, pick up some books, I would recommend those two That's book recommendations. (laughs) And then, um, so Paul, uh, in parting, what would you tell people, um you know new to, again our podcast is really focused on like you know 80% of our listening audience is new to recovery literally by i mean we 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 get turned over every year apparently our audience is a new audience every 6 months right so so uh um what would you tell people new to recovery who are uh you know again within their first you know 30 90 90 days
1: Yeah. You are on the most beautiful journey one can ever embark upon. It's a, it's a journey of wholeness of self-discovery of rediscovering your authentic self. Give it time. Why would you want to rush that? Right. And there is no destination and acceptance. You have to be completely fine with wherever you're at in this moment. Of course, we live in a world where there's time and space. There's places to go, um, but enjoy the journey, right? That's it.
2: All right. Well, you heard it. Party people, ex party people, uh and don't forget to uh you know tip your waiters and waitresses and uh, stay active and stay sober i'll see ya what do you say to those people
1: <laughs> yeah love it carl love you my man love listeners thank you so much uh thank you for your support let's do this right, thank you
3: soberpod.com 366 fucking days sober yeah It was a sight to see them Breakfast was Sprite and Seagrams Wrestling with my vices Exercising my demons My blessings were blocked so I never got the message I'm stressing I'm only 12 steps from an exit Regret it because my imperfections were perfected I ain't run from it I accept it and rep it It's a badge to me Good stories come from a tragedy And when you survive the glory will come in act 3 The wait's over 366 fucking days sober Morning affirmations that can start the day for you Use my favorite book for a placeholder, finish when the day's over, okay? Okay, okay, okay. 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 yeah. Sober pie, keep it authentic, no visage, If it's real, then you know it's ours. Welcome, welcome,
0: welcome. Are you a rebel seeking transformation in your recovery journey? Then 366 Fucking Days Sober is the book for you. 366 Daily Meditations. This book by the SoberPod Recovery Podcast host and professional rebel. Carl will help guide you towards a new way of thinking and living. Each daily meditation offers a fresh perspective, practical advice, and a healthy dose of Carl's irreverent humor to help you stay sober and embrace the challenges of life without drinking, drugging, or shitting your pants. Whether you're just starting your recovery journey or looking for a daily dose of encouragement and laughs, 366 Fucking Days Sober is the book for you. So, if you're ready to transform your life and become the rebel you were meant to be, get your copy of 366 Fucking Days Sober today. Available today on Amazon.com.